There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall joining you today, of course, with some happy news. This episode is brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. And Jordan, the two best words in sports, Game 7. It all happens after a Game 6 double OT thriller from the Flyers the other night. Certainly a lot of things to break down. It was an exciting game, first and foremost. I know. I think they are raising uh, blood pressure across the Delaware Valley with this series. Uh, three overtime wins. All three of their wins in this series come in overtime. But, hey, that's, I think, what fans want. Deep down, uh, no matter who you cheer for, you, you want to see playoff hockey in overtime. And they got it last night. And, Katie, how cool is it just um, in terms of, obviously, the team winning game six, forcing a game seven. Everyone wants that. But to see Oscar Lindblom come back and play his first game, since the news of his cancer diagnosis, uh, that just was kind of like the cherry on top. Jordan, without a doubt, this is the best story in 2020. I tweeted this out even, you know, when he rang that bell. As a human, you're happy for him. But this just keeps getting better. This is the, the biggest light that I could have asked for. I think that a lot of just sports fans or any humans could really ask for in such a crazy 2020 year so far. Um, what a great story. You're so happy for him and that smile to get back out on the ice and the warmups that we saw earlier this series, but to take the ice. I think, Jordan, this was your tweet just saying that, or maybe it was Taryn Hatcher too, just saying how, how nice it is to just even hear his name announced and be on the ice play-by-play -play with John Forslund in that game six, just to hear him um, out there. It, it was such a, a great moment. And, of course, you don't want to make it about you, but it's about him first and foremost. you got to be so excited. It was, Katie. It was crazy special. And like you said, let's make it about Oscar Lindblom, how, how awesome it was just for him uh, to see how far he's come. And, yeah, for me, I was, it, it kind of hit me just seeing Oscar skate up and down the ice and seeing that 23, that Lindblom, and just the way in which he plays. And it just hit me, I think, th through the first period. Like, we're watching Oscar Lindblom in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, to see how far he's come since that really stunning – sad news in December of his Ewing sarcoma diagnosis uh, just to see him in the playoffs with the team playing an important game. Like they needed him. Uh, he wanted to help. They needed him and he was there to deliver um, just a beautiful storyline in this series. And uh, he deserves it. And I think there was an emotional lift there for the Flyers too, not just obviously to get pumped up to play for Oscar Lindblom, but also the pressures of game six, the pressures of a do or die situation I think they see Oscar Lindblom and they just – they don't think about game six for a little bit. They smile. They see him. They are reminded of him and his story and that, you know, this is just a hockey game. And I think that really helped their te the teammates too uh, kind of just relieve a little bit of pressure of game six. Just go out there, have fun, play for Oscar, 
And it's that simple. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the teammates, but overall, any hockey player on that ice uh, and any hockey player really in the NHL entirely, just seeing, you know, a fellow athlete, a fellow uh, player alongside you in games. You got to love this sport for its competitive nature, but you also got to love this sport for the people that come through it. And Oscar is the, the pure epitome of just that style of just a graceful, humble, hardworking, passionate human being that really you know it translates on the ice as well and hockey players know that they have mad respect for oscar limblom um chris tarian said this too on our game last night with just um you, you know like the storyline behind this that you do love the hockey players and you know what they bring but with oscar it's such a different thing that the respect level that they have for this player um it's entirely just a great amazing story it doesn't get much better than this jordan and to really see him out there um, and, you know, have that game, I think it was it was so great. I, I say I think, but I know it was so great to see him, you know, for his first couple shifts entirely. But at the start of that whole thing, going back to how this is about every hockey player, um, the stick taps, the respect for him to return to the ice. I mean, you can only smile. And you know what I think, too, Jordan, is, you know, we were asking him in postgame, I, I, you know, the press conference at Limblom, what was it like? You know, what were your reactions when you knew you were in the lineup? he was trying to avoid talking about himself. And that just goes to show, like, he didn't want to even, he wanted to sort of get out there and sort of do it like a stealth mode. Like, he didn't want anyone to notice that he was back. He just wanted to help the team. And you could see, I wouldn't say it was uncomfortable, but it's just his nature, um, just trying to make it so much about the team. I believe he was asked that question, how did it feel? Were you nervous? He didn't even answer. He was just like, we wanted to win this game. It was a big game six, wanted to help. We came out with the mentality. It was just so much we. Um, and I could understand that too, you know, as a person, like you don't want it to be about you, but it is just entirely with this individual, this player of Oscar Lindblom, how humble he is, the kind of character he has. He is, when we talk about how tight knit this team is and why they are so close, why they have such a strong core together, he is a main component of that. And it all started at the beginning of this season, of course, December 7th, you, you know, his last game and the news, Jordan, and a lot of us were thinking there was a lot of question and speculation, like, is he even going to play this sport ever again? And you want to be positive. I know you and I were always positive about this. That's all you can be in that scenario. But to really just see this whole process of him even coming to the, the you know, locker room in between treatments in a week and coming in and giving high fives to the team as they like entered the dressing room at Wells Fargo center after a big win. Like he was the main reason for why this team really rallied together. I believe this during this regular season. And it, it's only, you know, it, it only amplifies now in this time of the year. So seeing this whole process for him to go through, but also for the team to rally behind. And, you know, on top of that, just to see the whole entire hockey community rally behind, we know Philadelphia and how much they love um, this sport and how much they love all of their sports, but for fans in general to be proactive and spreading awareness, getting the Oscar strong t-shirts, everyone just being so a part of his battle and really supporting him all along the way. I feel like it really brought everybody together, every hockey fan together, um, is certainly there's just no better way to say just a great feel good story that I think we all really needed as human beings during this time. Absolutely. And it, it was really cool just to see not just the Flyers, but the entire hockey world, uh, the entire sports world, really. Um, and of course, Philadelphia just rally behind this kid and he deserves it. He, like you said, Katie, he really is not a, a me type of person. He's do not look at me type of person. He does not yeah. want the attention. He's about the team. He's a team-oriented guy, uh, and that's why his teammates love him. Uh, he's just a humble kid that smiles and has fun and wants to put the team first. 
Jordan, I have to go back quickly to on that note to your question in the post game. You asked Carter, how happy are you for the guy to your left? And that exchange was like the most wholesome content is just seeing Carter like that grin and look over at Oscar and, you know, Oscar again, just trying to be so like, you know, he didn't want it to make it about him. He was like, oh, geez, here we go. But at the same time, you could see, you know, the, the respect that, you know, a teammate like Carter and like all of his teammates have for Oscar. But it was such a great question by you, Jordan. And it really led to a great capture. I believe NBC Sports Philadelphia tweeted out the, the gif of that. I mean, it, it was it was certainly just a pure uh, example of, you know, uh, you can see it clear as day in Carter's eyes, just how happy he was for his teammates. So that was also fun to see after that game six. Yeah, it was cool. I, I think Oscar Lindblom made just about everyone smile uh, Thursday night. Uh, it was just so, so cool to see him out there. And, um, and, and yeah, I was just going to say Carter um, mentioned uh, even that how happy he was to see the Islanders stick tap for, for Oscar. It, I believe it was after the Kevin Hayes goal and Carter Hart said, Hey, that spoke volumes about the Islanders. Even after a goal against their team goes down one, nothing. And they were the ones that were kind of right there stick tapping for Oscar along with the flyers. Um, just very cool, very cool moment to kind of put wins and losses aside there and recognize something that's way bigger than the game. So that was awesome. Katie, I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot. If I can shifting gears here a little bit, that was such an insane game six. There was so many different... That's one way to put it, yep. Right. There were so many different factors, so many different things to highlight. If you had to pick one person that you were most impressed with on the Flyers, most impressed Scott with... Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton, and why? Um, I thought Scott Lawton, his energy he brought... I mean, the biggest question you have is, when is he going to get back to what we saw from round-robin play? And sorry, Jordan, I kind of cut you off, but I, I already knew where you were going. I liked like it. This, I liked without it. a doubt was my highlight player. Here's the thing too, is you, you have a choice to make, and I'm going to shift this question back to you. And, you know, it certainly is a fortunate thing that you're going to have a couple different guys, if not a few to be picking from, because there was 11 different flyers that recorded a point last night. Um, and of course, Carter Hart between the pipes was solid throughout this, the whole regulation as well as the two overtime periods. But Scott Lawton, is my guy. You ask why, I'm going to say that he brought that energy from the beginning. Um, we wanted to see him get back to that round-robin style. We saw him with, especially on that line with Travis Konechny and Kevin Hayes in round-robin play, just that that player that came about from that point. We hadn't seen it. We saw him, you know, out of the lineup and those struggles, like, is he going to find that play again? And when we see him last game, um, not that overtime game winner in game five, it was like, is that going to be enough of a spark? And that's always a big question. It certainly was. It rolled over that confidence, that confident player that we knew and loved from round robin play really came about. I, I noticed it right from the get-go, the energy he was bringing. And of course, it's manufactured energy. It's such a different um, scenario right now. And they really have to be um, making it their own thing and they're playing for their lives out there. So he, he definitely set it up early. I mean, another player you could say was Kevin Hayes uh, at the start. Scott Lawton was just noticeable to me, Jordan. Everywhere, he, he was hard on the forecheck. He was um, on, the, on the score sheet, of course, last night. He netted the, game, netted the, the, the goal to tie it up. I, I can't even recall what goal because there's so many different highlights in that game last night for the Flyers. But he, he really, you know, he wins the game, certainly, in game five for the Flyers. And now in game six, he kept them in the game. So if that's you know, if there's one player that really had noticed, had been noticeable to me specifically in game six to keep this flyer season alive, Scott Lawton all the way. Who are you I, going with? 
I like that pick. And Scott Lohan has been he, – he deserves credit. He's been incredibly cl- clutch. And uh, he's really responded. He was scratched in game two because of performance issues. <laughs> um, right. He had to be better. Uh, he was scratched in game two, and he's been excellent since. And like you said, game five scores the winner, uh, has a two-point game, and then in game six scores the game-tying goal um, and really kind of steps up, especially when they need that energy. They need that um, kind of Sean Couturier-like player. And he was great in terms of filling uh, kind of the skates of Sean Couturier with a lot of the responsibilities that he uh, that Couturier typically handles. Uh, another guy that kind of really stepped up in the skates of Sean Couturier, and that's going to be my guy, is Claude Drew. I think Claude Drew deserves some serious kudos for that game six. Um, he didn't score a goal, but he did so much and really just put it all out there. And I think that's just something Philly should appreciate. I know sometimes uh, Scott Lawton, even the other day, said he's kind of underappreciated in the league. I think there's at times he's underappreciated in this city. But look at what Claude Drew does in a do-or-die game six without Sean Couturier. Claude Drew plays 30-plus minutes. He wins 24 face-offs at a 62% clip, has an assist. He blocks his shot. The guy just did everything and at 32 years old and just put it all out there. There's no doubt that he wants to be there in Toronto. Uh, he wants to win a Stanley Cup, um, and he did not want to go home. And I think he showed it. I think Claude Drew deserves really, really a lot of props for that game six. I think that's a Philly type of uh, performance that he put out there, Katie. So I'm going to go. I like that. That's another great point. I mean, it goes back to what I just said too about Scott Lawton and, you know, they get on the score sheet. That's, is that the spark that's going to carry over? And I believe that's the same Jordan for Claude Giroux. Um, What we saw, he finally gets on the score sheet in game five and, you know, it really carried over. It was like that pressure was so lifted from his shoulders that he finally got a goal that he knew he very much needed. Don't, don't get us wrong. We knew he, he needed it from the media, from everything else. Like he, um, of course, doesn't tie into, you know, the media too much. He, he limits that outside noise, but he as a player knew he needed that goal. Um, and I, I believe that was the spark as well to really carry over. And, you know, confidence is such a, a big term. And you could argue a player of his age, uh, you know, how many years of experience he has and also how many playoff games of experience he has. Confidence still is such a big thing that's really hard to holster as, as a player. And um, I believe he is finding that again. It, it, I don't think like this series has been horrible. I don't think he's been horrible through the playoffs. I just think that like you need your top players to be scoring. When you see what's going on with Dallas, you see the Colorado avalanche, Kale McCard, Nathan McKinnon, like their top guys are scoring and that's why they're, they're winning. Um, so with Claude Giroux, Jordan, I, I love that point. Just what he brings when he's not scoring goals is also very important for fans to remember. Like this is a player you want to see, of course, on that score sheet. Yes, do I think for him to score, like we, the Flyers will win games if he's scoring, of course. Well, you do win games if you score goals. That's normally how you win. But with uh, Giroux, just what he brings, um, if he's scoring goals is, is obviously a huge exclamation point. You do need that from him. But he also is doing so many things, you know, away from the, from the score sheet. So I like that too. Another great player. Um, and, and going back to what I said, Jordan, I mean, this is – it was great. It, it's like – I don't know if you agree with me, but just seeing like, it's like from that game uh, five when they kept their season alive, I don't think anyone could argue because they've had two straight wins, but it's like their style of hockey. Like I, I am just seeing such a different style of hockey. Of course they're playing for their lives out there. They want to keep the season alive. So that would be probably the biggest proponent of this, but 
it is just such a different style. Like I really felt like the New York Islanders, like we saw them in game one. It was, it was crazy. Of course, a four nothing loss. It was like, Oh boy. I mean, what's going to happen here. this is a scary looking team. They're hard. They're defensively minded. Um, just how hard they were to on the four check, like how much they just, they just limited your space. Like they just took over the ice and they're so tough. Andrews Lee, like one of the toughest players I've ever seen on the puck. Like you can't even phase him. And just the way that like by game six, you're really just seeing the flyers use that greasy, you know, that greasy style that we've heard Elaine Vino mentioned so much greasy, gritty, like that's what you have to be. If you're this team right now trying to, you know, compete with the New York Islanders, when they have matched that style, if not, they have, you know, amplified that style over, you know, what their previous play was. And it's really remarkable. I, I, their game is trending upwards, certainly. And if you're going to, like, the biggest question to Jordan is, like, who is more pressure on in this game seven? And I believe most certainly it's the New York Islanders. They just gave up two straight games, and they had a chance, each of those, to, you know, shut out the, the Flyers and really put an end to their season. And look where we are. I don't know. Game seven is looking pretty good for the orange and black. It is. And yeah, give them credit, uh, really. Um, if you look at their goal differential in terms of games one through four and games five through six. So in the first and second round, games one through four, they had 12 goals. In games five through six, over the first and second round, they had 15 goals. And it just shows you like when they really have to bear down and really play their system, they do it. They do it to a T and they are tough to play against. And w- I think we've seen that especially in this series, obviously games five and six, um, it was winner go home. And they really bared down. They really played that style in which Elaine Vigneault wants to play in which you forecheck, you get after the other team and you really set up shop in the offensive zone and it leads to goals. And that's what has happened. Credit to the Flyers for bearing down. And yes, I think the pressure has absolutely flipped. And I think the Flyers should like their spot because they've come back a lot from they have guys that have done this whole 3-1, 3-0 comeback. Elaine Vigneault said it the other day. He ripped off the names of guys that have done it. JVR yeah. has done it. Claude Giroux has done it. Nate Thompson has done it. Justin Braun has done it. Kevin Hayes has done it. Uh, and Elaine Vigneault has done it twice. And ironically, Katie, the last game seven the Flyers have played was in 2014. They lost to Elaine Vigneault's Rangers. So Elaine Vigneault's... I bet, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Flyers are really happy now to have Elaine Vigneault on their side of a Game 7 now. But, man, what a fun Game 7 ahead. Barry Trotz, Elaine Vigneault, two teams um, with experience, two teams with similar styles. Uh, but if I had to pick uh, which team has more pressure, 100% the Islanders. Uh, when you have a 3-1 lead, you got to close that out. The Flyers, if anything, you know, win or lose, I don't think they should really hang their heads a whole lot. Um, I was thinking that last night. Uh, in game six that if they lost this game they shouldn't have to hang their heads they really put it all out there they fought crazy hard I know there's no moral victories at this level I totally understand that uh, but to me, to me they they played their butts off um, and and got it to double overtime I thought if they lost that game they could be at least proud of uh, the effort in which they put out there. So You know what? I Jordan, I respect that, but I am like, no. They got to win. I mean, if you're not going to win, it is all for nothing. All that hard work, every shift you put out there. We saw Ivan Perovra lead the night with, what, like over 28 minutes of ice time. All of your guys grinding. Carter Hart grinding. He had 38 minutes. 38. Sorry. Wow. 10 minutes <laughs> less. Like, no big deal, but I completely <laughs> lowballed that. 38. Over 38 minutes. Yeah. What am I thinking? 28. But anyway, it was a lot of minutes. Still a lot um, of, regardless, right. Still a, quite a bit of minutes. No, I am like, 
I see where you're coming from, but I will think about that if and when it happens to just be like satisfied in the moment. I don't know if I speak for all Flyers fans. I am like, you gotta I win. This... I got soft there. I got you soft did. There. Jordan, I'm calling you out for it. No, it is all or nothing. Now or never. Anytime, anywhere. No, Let's I agree. Go. I agree. If they lose game seven, game seven, it would be incredibly disappointing, especially given all the – Yeah. Getting like, this has to be a comeback story. Are you kidding me? You have Oscar Limblom in your lineup, no Sean Couturier in game six, yeah. and you guys find a way to make it to a game seven. Like, this yeah. – you got to win. But, I, I, yeah, but I think the Flyers will... should like their position. They should like their position, especially with Vigneault, um, a guy who's been there, done it twice. And right. they have a lot of guys who have done it. And I think you're right, pressure is flipped. But I wonder if pressure can be a good thing. Um, I think the Flyers have really responded to pressure in games five and six. That's what I was going to say. And I yeah. wonder if the Islanders are going to feel that way now. Like, hey, pressure's on us. We cannot lose three straight. Let's get after it here. Whereas the Flyers are maybe thinking, hey, we're here now. We got a game seven. Let's just go. Like, it's weird. Pressure can be weird. It can be a good thing and a bad thing. So I have no idea how it's going to really affect these two teams. Yeah. But, yeah, pressure is definitely on New York. Uh, 100% Katie. Visit your Philadelphia area Cadillac dealer today and experience the ultimate in iconic luxury. Yeah, no, and you know what? I've been going back to what you said. Like, I understand where you're coming from on the terms of like, wow, what a successful season. I, I mean, if you're really comparing to that, the goal differential from last season and just, I would say special teams, but we'll stick with the regular season special teams because we don't really like what we're seeing on the power play this uh, this postseason thus far, but goaltending. I mean, so many different things this year that were really such an improvement from last season that you got to be, you know, tipping your the hockey helmet to the Flyers for, but no. I mean, I will think about that way far ahead uh, after, you know, the end of this season. I say way far ahead because these Flyers better keep this this ball rolling. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. But we certainly will have fun following along with this. I'm sure fans will too. And hopefully that quote unquote fun is a good fun. We will find out. But Jordan, when you talk about game seven, I mean, how interesting, not, I would say just entered all around just the entertainment of the NHL with this playoff scenario and just everything that has uh, come about from it, these entertaining games. Um, I mean, I would even say even the Tampa Bay lightning and the Boston Bruins there in that what game five, was entertaining. I mean, you know, they were, Tampa Bay was up three games to one. They're an OT, I believe double OT and that game was ended. I mean, it just the edges of your seats that you're watching these games on and you're not even involved with these teams, but it's just so entertaining. That being said, now we have three game sevens. You see the Colorado avalanche, the flyers actually, is there four? I believe there might be, no, I think there is three out of the, the four different series going on. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is crazy. And, and, of course, the Vancouver Canucks forcing it with Vegas last night. I mean, this is like – this is what a hockey lover's dream is, isn't it? Like, you have so many entertaining, talented teams. And um, I don't know. I, I really just do love the different style of play. And here's the next thing, because I, I did hear Bruce Boudreaux say this when he joined um, NHL Network the other day on SiriusXM. He said just the differences within teams of their youth, Jordan. I mean, you have older teams that, you know, you see the Boston Bruins go out early because they, they are an older team. They don't have that youth. They're, they're not able to really get in maybe to this bubble situation and, and really fight through it. And then you have the Vancouver Canucks, such a young team. 
as well as the flyers. I, I do feel like the flyers focusing in on them just have such a great balance. That is, this has really worked out for them. You have your Travis connect me that's out there making chirps and faces at Nick Letty that went viral as gifts last night. It was hilarious. Um, and you also have your older leaders like your Nate Thompson really setting the tone out there in the face-off circle. That's been a part of so many different playoff situations as well as Matt Niskanen. Um, and you know, focusing really in on the flyers, Jordan, that, that balance of youth has really been their benefit, I think, in, in this scenario. Because I think the youth has been, like, the biggest, um, the biggest proponent of success for teams in this bubble right now. I agree. And uh, to touch on your first point, Katie, I think there was a train of thought for a lot of people that, well, these 3-1, def- these 3-1 deficits across the playoffs right now um, were going to be much more challenging to come back from because of, like, the no fans aspect. Because, you know – in normal times when there's like fans, you can really rely on, well, yo, uh, we have game five at home. Um, let's get that one at home. And then we can get back to home at game seven or, Hey, if we can just steal game five and we can go, go we can go home for game six. We can get our fans. I think that's, <laughs> I'm not exactly buying that because we're seeing three, one comebacks right now. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the players really wanting it and really, just buckling down and, and delivering when it matters most. Uh, we've seen that so far. But, yeah, and that Kitty, to your point of the youth, um, absolutely. I think the Flyers, one of the biggest strengths coming into these playoffs for the Flyers was their depth, and we've seen it across the board. The Flyers have really gotten by without some of their big boys having huge games uh, night in, night out. Uh, look at Travis Konechny. Uh, their leading goal scorer doesn't have a goal in the playoffs yet. Um, is that troublesome? Yes. But is it a good sign that they're at a game seven in the second round and despite of that? Absolutely. So, uh, or in spite of that. So, yes, uh, Flyers' youthfulness and their depth has been huge. And it makes me want to ask you, uh, obviously, no Sean Couturier or Joel Farabee in game six. Uh, Far- Farabee obviously took that big hit and clearly probably has some type of issue because of that hit from game five. And then Sean Couturier, obviously the collision with Matthew Barzell. Could not give it a go in game six. We really do not know anything on their statuses just because of uh, just the hush-hushness of this whole playoffs in terms of uh, players' availability. If Farabee and Couturier can't go in game seven, how concerned are you about the Flyers' chances with those two possibly not in? No, no Sean Couturier, no Joel Farabee. I mean, if so, what's that going to look like? I'll say right now we've already seen it. We saw in game six, they battled and they, they found a way through and they found a way to maintain that energy. Um, I believe their face-offs were, were pretty solid, especially in the offensive, defensive zone, the offensive zone, I mean, both ends of the ice. And that's probably the main focus, especially with Sean Couturier, but also, you know, him on the front on that top line, like the different situations, the different setups. I just really do think that the Flyers are, are pulling their own weight. You know, what did JVR say too after game five that we all have to be tugging the rope in the same direction? They certainly are doing that. And you know what? If they don't have them in the lineup, it, it was like a huge concern, of course, last night. And yes, is it going to be a concern without them in game seven? Most certainly. But I think if you can just go back to what you saw last game, and really just reflect on that, what they were able to do without two big guys, especially if not your best guy, Sean Couturier, if, of course your best two-way center, if not like one of the top in the league, um, that has been such an exclamation point in your lineup throughout the season. Um, if you can battle the way you did without him, I mean, I have no doubts about game seven. Um, 
I like what I saw. I mean, we're always expecting to lineup changes, different things going on. I do hope to see Oscar Lindblom in the lineup again in game seven. I, I thought he, he had a great game. I, you know, even Elaine Vino would mention that too. It's a feel good story, but it's also like, they're not putting him out there for that feel good story individually. Like they're putting him out there to make a difference. And hopefully we see him going on the score sheet. I know I was getting tweets last night about it's gotta be Lindblom and OT here that gets the game winner. I have high hopes on him. Um, but just the offense, how they're able to get rolling. I mentioned it earlier, 11 different flyers that recorded a point last night, Jordan. If you have everybody else like filling in and really pulling that rope in the same direction, filling that void of Sean Couturier and, you know, players like Joel Farabee too in that regard, I have no doubt. If they can continue to do that, really disperse the wealth, um, I think they can do it. I mean, a huge thing is who's going to take over that ice time, and it's going to be Kevin Hayes. Um, we saw him really pulling the weight last night. Um, but of course a heavy void that was needed to be filled and it was already filled, um, you know, in game six. So that being said, Hey, and if anything, this is, if not, it's just going to be even more of a benefit if they could add Katria in by game seven or Joel Farabee in by game seven or, or so be it. But I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. These lineup changes are always happening, but after what you saw in game six, you got to be happy with what you have out there if you're Lane Vino, but of course you can, it's without a doubt. If you have a healthy Sean Couturier, you're putting him on the ice. But yeah, I, I mean, one more time, probably for like the fifth time in this sentence or in this paragraph, I will say that, uh, you know, Sean Couturier in or out of the lineup, I have full faith in the Flyers to get the job done because, hey, they're able to do it in game six. What, what are your biggest concerns, Jordan? I just mentioned like if we're narrowing in on Sean Couturier and, and who's going to fill that void, I mean, a, a big thing I think about is his ice time and just how he really balances the ice when he's out there and his great 200-foot abilities and, and what a difference maker he is. What did you see last night and who really took over for that and how, you know, if he is out of the lineup again in Game 7, um, could you see that faring out as well for the Flyers as, as far as just taking over for that major void in the lineup? Well, I do agree with you, Katie, that I don't think the Flyers are going to lack any effort um, without Sean Couturier or Joel Farabee. Those are two effort-based guys that obviously always give it their all. But I don't. I think the Flyers showed in game six. They absolutely, absolutely played their tails off, um, and they showed what they can do without a guy as important as Sean Couturier and a guy as valuable as Joel Farabee. I will say I definitely do have concerns, though, about their chances if those two can't play because – as hard as the Flyers played in game six, I think there was definitely times where it really looked like the Islanders had them on their heels uh, and were ready to pounce and really almost break that game open. Uh, they, you know, New York outshot them 53 to 31. Uh, the shot differential at times was uh, very big. And I think Carter Hart uh, really helped them almost steal that game, obviously 49 saves. So I think we saw in those numbers – uh, the differences of having a Sean Couturier and a Joel Farabee. Those were crazy numbers, by the way. Yeah. I mean, especially looking at the end of regulation, uh, I posted a tweet about that, just like the, the huge difference in, in the shot advantage. It was crazy. And yeah, you talk about, too, the workload, Jordan. Carter Hart compared to Semyon Varlamov. I mean, it was completely opposite. Yeah, and uh, so there were times where I feel like the Flyers were just kind of hanging on for dear life. And give them credit, they really worked hard to – to really save themselves. Um, but I do worry that if that leads into a game seven with a similar style, uh, are they going to be able to stay afloat? Uh, if New York maybe comes up big on one or two more plays there, it's a totally different game. 
So I am concerned they don't have Sean Vittoria, Joel Farabee, but I do expect others to step up just like they did in game six. Um, I think they can win without those two. They proved it in game six. Um, but we shall see. I don't, I'm not even going to predict <laughs> if those two are going to play because we just simply do not know enough information to even give a valid, valid guess or prediction. But the Flyers are better with those two. But, hey, it's game seven. It's going to come down to just wanting it more, um, executing. And uh, without those two, the Flyers can definitely do it. Uh, but I guess we'll see. It, it's, it's, why we're, it's why we're talking about a game seven is because they went out there and got game six without those two. So I'm not going to doubt them until they, they give me reason to doubt them. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. I like that mentality, Jordan. I would have to agree with you. I mean, you know, before we go, I will just say in conclusion, of course, Carter Hart, great night for him. You just mentioned it there. Um, solid. And, and you know what? I, I think the biggest thing with him is like, even in that third period, the way he holds it together. But I think what stands out the most is how he starts each overtime period and just they zone in on him. They ISO him on, uh, you know, on the, on the uh, coverage. And you just see his eyes, and he is just so calm. Like, I, I can't even – goalies, of course, are, are just such a different nature of human. And he is, like – he is just so calm in those moments. And it, I just can't wrap my head around it, but that's probably why I'm not an NHL goaltender. But he is, you know, for his year, his 22-year-old self, this is – it's amazing to see what he's been able to do for the Flyers. And at this point, it's like, is he going to do it? Is he going to be okay? And at this point, it's like – course like there's no doubt and you know what that only helps the play in front of you too when you see Carter have back-to-back -back saves I don't know how many shots he faced in like one minute in that first overtime there's so many different moments the play kept switching on the rush and you're just freaking out and um I, I would think too for the play in front of him um to see his players that being to see what he's able to do it only pumps you up even more like yes Carter like let's go get this like what he brings it's it's amazing but what I really wanted to get, speaking of that play in front of him, before we go, is just mention the, the defensemen. Mention what they've been able to do. I've noticed a lot of Matt Niskanen, um, what he's brought. It, it's just he's such that quiet, humble leader. And I think people forget, probably not, but I know you don't, Flyers fans don't really want to remember the Caps as much. But, of course, he did just win a Stanley Cup not too long ago. He's been a part of some great playoff runs with teams. And, He's been a part of these moments and he's, you know what, he's been a part of a series like this and um, he really sets the tone out there. And I believe we, we are seeing that, especially just pucks on net, like hashtag pucks on net. He knows what that's all about. Um, and he really brings that energy and what we've just been able to see. And of course, with Ivan Provorov, just all the defensemen, but Ivan Provorov netting that game winner, um, that excitement and, and the defensive scoring is not needed as Chris Terrian will say on pre and post, but if it's added to your depth, I mean, you can, of course you're not upset with it. And Jordan, what are we seeing? We're seeing Matt Niskanen get a goal in game five. We're seeing Ivan Provorov net the game winner. Phil Myers uh, net the overtime game winner. What game was that? Game three? Uh, game two. two. Game two, the first overtime of this series out of the three. But um, it's, it's remarkable. It truly is. And you got to be happy with what you're seeing from your defenseman. That's all I got to say. That's just my last little nugget. Katie, I like that. No, seriously, Matt Niskanen, I think a lot of people were – I think fans were frustrated with kind of how he had played maybe through the Canadian series in the early stages of this Islander series. And I think it was fair criticism. There was times where, uh, you know, maybe he was just kind of flat-out beat by a, by a forward or a player. Uh, maybe there was times where he was a step, uh, a step too slow. Uh, but I think he has 
really, really answered the bell in games five and six. He has been excellent. You know, last night he played 37 minutes. He's 33 years yeah. old. He played 37 minutes, was a plus three. I think he really shown his experience in games five and six. A guy knows these moments. Um, and I think he has really answered the bell. And I think the Flyers are pretty happy they have a guy like that uh, kind of leading the way on defense along with Ivan Provrov. So, yes, defensemen have been great. But, Katie, uh, love talking to you. Thank you as always. Game uh, seven, Jordan. And we've let's, got a game let's seven. Let's get it. Next time we will talk, we will either be talking about the Flyers season being over or or the Flyers season. We're not even a – Continuing even, the Eastern Conference final. There we go. There we go. You know what? We're not going to have any of the if or buts. It's just this is going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right approach because then I'm going to be crushed. But at the same time, it's like just good vibes. Good vibes, Flyers fans. We got uh, this. Katie Emmer, thank you as always. A special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer as well. Flyers fans, this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Wherever you get your Flyers Talk podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.